0: Welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. And I'm Jake. And we have a fun episode for you guys today. We're going to talk a little bit of... Uh, I forgot what we're talking about today <laughs> completely, but we got the show notes well, here. This is the good. Overcrest
1: Rewind That's episode, right.
0: which is our news from the week. There's some, uh, there's some interesting stuff from Honda, which I thought was really lame at first, but it turns out it's actually really, really cool. And we're going to talk a little bit about car prices, because I think there's this... This There's no cheap cars myths. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about Hyundai wants to take on Porsche, which will probably not actually happen, but it's kind of interesting. Um, Talk a little bit about a Prius, Mercedes, Dodge, Koenigsegg and other things. So we've got awesome. a bunch of stuff here to talk about. I just had to read it and then I know. So. <laughs> it's, it's all good. So uh, before we get to the meat of everything, what have you got for us?
1: Yeah, let's talk a minute about Patreon. If you head over to patreon.com Overcrest for as little as $5 a month, you can become a patron of Overcrest and support the show. And it really is what keeps us going. And it's all about supporting what. You enjoy, and yeah. Consume.
0: Five bucks a month, same cost as a Red Bull. If you're in a really expensive gas station somewhere, <laughs> and and uh, we'll keep you awake much better than that one Red Bull. That's true. That's well, you will. You you have much more energy than I do. So, all right. So, did you know there's no Buster Conrad this week? Either? Why not? He is on. <laughs> <laughs> On location, researching the 2021 Farmer's Almanac.
1: Oh, of course. So he's that makes out sense.
0: he's out interviewing farmers and talking weather. He's gotta do the weather stuff every once in a while, too. Right. So he's gotta get back. Oh,
1: so that's how they do farmer's almanacs. They
0: actually interview every farmer in the country. Well, they interview Buster Conrad. Oh, gotcha. And uh, the yeah. farmer's almanac to get everything together and get all the facts <laughs> right. So make sure that the uh the predictions for next year's weather are, are accurate. Are just as accurate yeah, exactly. as his news. So you guys forgot all about this, but you and your dad have a truck that you're working on yeah what is it again i don't remember it's a
1: 1964 chevy c10
0: okay it's the one that looks like a bunch of trucks got crushed and stacked on top of (laughs) each other i don't think that's accurate (laughs) oh it is it's Uh, accurate so it's
1: got a lot of character because the hood is like kind of beefy on it and the the turn indicators are up in the hood so on top of the headlights it has character
0: because of where the items are located on the front of the car or the truck that certainly is
1: part of what
0: Gives a car character, yeah. Uh, I think there's a little bit more about giving a car character than that. It's more, for me, it's more about where it came from and what it was used for. Oh, okay, well, it was a farm truck. Yeah, so it was used for some, some heavy-duty work, I'm sure. Yeah, and apparently
1: farm. it was owned for the longest time by a farmer named... Was it Fitz or
0: Fritz? It was Fritz. Fritz. There you go. See, now we're talking character. The the truck was owned by Fritz. It was
1: owned by Fritz, and it passed through a couple different guys out in South Dakota, middle of
0: nowhere. Did the thing have license plates when you got it? Yeah, there were South Dakota plates. Were they farm plates? Or were they?
1: Uh, The the guy had a collector plate on
0: it at that point. So at that point, it wasn't really a farm truck anymore. No,
1: but apparently everyone who owned this truck just knew it as Fritz.
0: Okay. Fritz the truck. So Fritz is the truck. Okay. So it was the owner or it's the truck? Or both. both. Okay. Both. It was does the original it, owner. Does or it have the, the it. high beam, low beam on the floor? Oh, of course it does. Oh, I like that. Okay. Yeah. So what's going on with the truck? So it, you got it back, right? You towed yep, it home. We,
1: we got it back. uh It's at my dad's place right now. Did you tow
0: it home? Did you rent a truck? Do you tow it with it, your truck? So or? it
1: does run and drive, but we were not ambitious enough to drive it home. Why? Why not at least try? Because it. How far away was it? Seven hours. Okay. mean eighty. So, how many miles is that? A lot.
0: Dude, what is well, I don't miles? remember. Like I don't know. This was like miles, three weeks 500 ago. 500 yeah. Miles? yeah. Okay. So Six, you could, know. You could yeah. have at least made it to the 200 mile AAA threshold. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I doubt it would have done that. Uh,
0: no, not, not so it much. It would
1: have made it, but it would have taken a long time.
0: Well, that would have been great. You would have had even more time to spend South with your dad. South Dakota is
1: just really boring. It is though.
0: truly, truly boring. I did.
1: Find some really cool, like, small towns that we went through. We got off the freeway for a little while. Okay, so tell me about this truck. So the truck, Fritz, it's an old farm truck. Is it at your dad's place? Yep. It's got a lot of nice patina on it. Uh, Including the the floors? The floors were rusty. (laughs) Right. So uh, we're fixing the Flintstone mobile feature. Yep. Uh, And it was funny because nothing else in the truck was rusty. Like, everywhere where it's supposed to rust on these, it was perfectly clean. And part of the reason for that is this was a camper truck for a long time. Guy okay. had a big old camper in the bed, okay. and I think that protected like all in Chevys up through 19, I don't know, 70 or something. They still used wood floors for the bed, okay, like the slats of wood. So that's actually all still original and pretty good. Oh, that's There's only cool. like two sections that need to be. I replaced. have a
0: theory on the floors being rusted out in cars. What's that? I think it's because people bring their wet feet in the cars with the snow. Yeah. And that the carpet gets soggy and then yep. it just holds the moisture and that's what rots the floors out. I think you're right. Because otherwise there's nowhere to hold the moisture on the bottom of the truck. No, it, it's yeah, the rust flat. from the inside out. Yeah. For I sure. think that's kind of the general theory.
1: Yeah. And so yeah, we I mean we didn't even see that until we got it home and pulled out all of the interior crap. Yep. and we're like, oh, this
0: is pretty Swiss cheese. So you grabbed some street signs and welded them in?
1: No, ordered five hundred dollars worth of patch panels and stuff that, and that are made for it. Made for it. Yeah. So
0: are these spot welded together, or how are these yes, trucks?
1: Most of them are spot welded together. So, so did you, did you just cut one, out, or did you? So the one thing we did today was right underneath, basically where the pedals are, and so that's a whole nother patch panel piece you'd have to buy. So instead, we just cut out basically an L shape where it was the worst, and we just butt welded and kind of stitch welded that in sure. there so that's what we've accomplished today took off the fender took off the door took off some other stuff to get to all
0: that i should give you that worth stuff that we got that rust converter yeah my dad was actually asking about that i will bring it so you can have it so you can awesome spread that on yeah. the areas that are on the floors that need to be converted over to rust i think it the stuff converted that I,
1: over to rust <laughs> converted from rust yeah it's, that's yeah <laughs> it's a <laughs> bucket
0: of salt so just <laughs> pour it in <laughs> just pour, pour it in there
1: you'll be all set yeah that would be great We'll uh, we'll use that. So after getting uh, some of the serious rust taken care of, the next order of business. Is that all you
0: really have to do for rust repair is just those floors
1: uh the front fenders right where they kind of come down and meet the cab are really rusted out okay. i wanted to just patch those up and keep the original patina and everything else well my dad just bought new front fenders i'm sure how much are they like five dollars right yeah they're very cheap compared to what you're spending on nine eleven parts
0: yeah so i bought a. I fu- so i had restoration design um is where i got my stuff and i'm really super frustrated with them right now because i I made the order on December 17th or 18th, and they are closed from the 19th to the 6th. (laughs) But they do have someone sitting there answering the phone telling me, sorry, we can't ship your stuff when I called. So that was at least some sort of... So I so I called up. I said, "Hey, I'm going to cancel this order. I'm going to try and piece this stuff together elsewhere." Yeah. And then I went on Pelican and kind of looked for Pelican parts and looked for parts. And then the freight was just outrageous from them. Yeah. And then I talked to uh, the guy over at J3 Restorations, which is a, um, a Porsche, and I think they do some air cool Volkswagen stuff. Restorations in Tennessee. They okay. do tons of metal work. They're brilliant guys. Lots of guys send their cars there to get e coated and all this different stuff. They're a great shop. And he said, "Do not use." Anything but a factory fender, and the reason I have to do that is because that's the. O- I don't have a sled, I don't have a jig, right. I don't have any way to go. Okay, well this goes here, this goes there. I don't have the part that goes up into the inner fender and bolts to where the, the upper strut bolts to. I don't have any of that stuff. Right, any of the jigs, nothing. So I have to have some sort of part because I'm cutting off the the driver's inner fender about one third of the way up, and then all the way around to the other passenger side fenders all disappearing right like it's going away so you're basically building a whole new front end of the car correct so the problem is, is I don't I need I need some sort of good reference point okay and he's and like so do that's not use some some other crappy aftermarket, aftermarket fender. fender so I bought a Porsche fender to the tune of two thousand dollars for one fender for one <laughs> freaking fender it's Out of control. It's just, holy cow. But I need it to work. I need it. I need to be able to bolt the fender up to the car and then have it in place, bolt it up, and then use that as partial reference point. Yeah. You know, n- none of this is going to be perfect, right? I'm I'm come to the conclusion that it's it's going to be better than it was, there you which go. will be great because I had like a like a half inch gap between my horn grill and my fender. It was never quite straight mm-hmm. cuz it was all like messed up and someone just kind of pulled it straight. So the new latch panel, new inner fender, that should match up nice and I should Should be able to get a good gap. So I'm going to use all those Colecos I got to kind of assemble the car without welding anything. Okay. So I can drill some holes, put the Coleco in and go, okay, here's a good spot. Does this all fit? I can put the fender on. I can carry the hood up from upstairs, put it on, put the bumper on, get everything kind of like, okay, that's good. And then I can tack weld everything Gotcha. and go from there. But I need this fender as like a starting point to make sure that I get the inner fender and the latch panel in somewhat the right place. That makes sense. But the, the latch panel is going to be important, too, because the hood has to still shut in the latch in the right spot. Mm. So that's kind of like, I'm like, ooh, I hope I get that in the right yeah, spot, Yeah, that's kind too. of a serious. And I've never done anything like this before. <laughs> I, there's the only time I've ever done any kind of sheet metal body work was on a, a an old Rabbit pickup truck. I had a 1980 kay. Rabbit pickup truck that I bought that had a 1.5 gasoline or 1.6 gasoline engine in it. And it ended up being a bad motor. So I pulled the motor out and I put a TDI engine in it. And the bottom of that was rusted. The the only rust on the truck, early Westie, which means it didn't have wraparound headlights on the front. Oh, sure. Just the flat front, square headlights. Yep. The bottom apron in the front, the valance, was rusted. So I cut it all the way across and I went (laughs) and stitched welded all the way across. And it. Lo and behold, it worked. Like it actually worked. My walls looked pretty good, and then I ground them down and you know (laughs) painted it, and I put rock guard on it and stuff like that. Like tried to do the best I could from the factory, Um, and I'm going to try and do that again. But I can't. There's no way this amount of work on my car, just the front pan, to pay someone to do it is around anywhere from six to eight thousand dollars or something like that. Just because it's so much work, plus doing the inner fender, plus the that you need the
1: specialized. Jigs, or you should. Those guys, were to pay those it.
0: guys would have right. the specialized <laughs> jigs, but like, there's no way that yeah, I can. No, I get there's it. no way. So well, I have I've done to try. A, I've
1: done a lot of welding body work on that old MG I
0: had. Yep. And you probably have more experience than me, so I'm welcome, I'm looking forward to having you over at the house perfect. to tell me what I'm doing wrong. Yep, my welding looks pretty good. I can weld. My welds look nice, but sheet metal. Eh, I'm gonna actually. What I'm gonna do is, I'm gonna when I cut the stuff off the car, mm-hmm. I'm gonna cut it in half again, and I'm gonna practice on yeah, on the actual gauge of the sheet metal that I'm putting on the car yeah. and try that's, and make it look as nice as I can and just practice. Yeah, you know that's a, a good lot. Idea. You know, because it's I want this to be something where someone looks at the car and they go, Oh, they they did it right if I ever have to sell the car or sure. just for my own peace of mind that I know that it was done to the best I know how. Sure, And that includes, I'm like, okay, well, what kind of undercoating did Porsche use? And I look it up. It's actually worth. It's called, it's like, it's not schmutz. It's something else. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember the <laughs> name They yeah, Throw it. some schmutz on there. It is. It's like a weird word like that, but they have gray and black. Some 911s were black, some were gray. Interesting. And then, uh, you know, my... My uh, engine compartment was painted black, so I'm going to try and redo everything nice. I'm going to get a new thing to cover up the fan since mine looks like a dog ate most of it, and try and just
1: oh yes, yeah, the little yes, fan, the cover. fan cover. Yep. and I'm
0: going to redo the wiring, which is a disaster right now. It's been redone like two or three times by somebody, and there's like inline fuses and stuff. <laughs> and, I
1: remember that. Oh, it's
0: so ugly. And I'm gonna oh, and I have to do if I'm going to be driving through Death Valley mm-hmm. in summer. Okay. Basically in early August, I'll be driving through Death Valley (laughs) with my car. I'm actually going to be driving in Mexico. So from uh, Baja, California through Las Vegas up into Utah, it's going to be 100 plus degrees for about a week for me. (laughs) (laughs) So I have to get another oil cooler. I'm going to either do a run, a dual oil cooler setup, or I'm Uh at least going to make sure that I get a nice Carrera cooler with a fan. Okay. So And plus I'm pulling the motor out. I'm going to do a clutch and I'm going to check the oil thermostat to make sure it works. So I'm going to do that first cuz if my brass oil cooler isn't getting oil, that would explain well it doesn't work. Right. But if it is uh getting oil, then it's just it's not good enough. So that's kind of where I'm, you know, at with the car. I wish I could So here's another dilemma I'm having. I'm not sure if I'm going to paint the whole car or not. Cuz all I really need to paint is these fenders. Right. And I noticed there's like a little I'm super upset about the the body shop that did the work on right. the car. They gave me my money back, but I'm still mad. Okay. Um there's a little bit of, of bubbling now showing on the on the driver's door. Really? So I think what I'm going to do is paint the whole car again. <laughs> I just... <laughs> okay, hold on. I don't hold want... Hold on. I, Devil's
1: advocate here. You're going to be absolutely thrashing... Here's the thing. ...on this car...
0: Fine. ...for 10,000 miles or it, whatever it is. Fine, fine. But I I want it to be as good as it can possibly. I'm sick of... I, Every time I want to go do a trip, I'm like, okay, I want to get the car right. That way, from here on out, all the patina that's created is mine. Everything that the car looks like from here on out is of my doing. But if there's, like, rust on the door, I have to fix the rust or it's just going to get worse. And then it's going to rust through and then it'll be there. And then I'll have to fix it later anyway. And I'm just – I want it to be really nice and then i don't have to touch it anymore. So if it gets uh if it gets sandblasted, that's fine. If it gets scuffed, that's fine. If it gets scratched, that's fine. But i want it to be stuff that's me, stuff that i did to the car. Not some shitty body guy that screwed up and mm-hmm. didn't use, use the right filler and then it expanded and blew out the paint on one of the doors. It's that's not the kind of patina that i want. I got does that you. make sense? Yeah, it does. Okay. So before we get into the news. Yeah. Um we talk a lot about the the uh, the price of um, of cars being like $34,000 $36,000.
1: Right. We were saying the average price of cars sold today in the United States is thirty four dollars to $36,000. Right. And we're always like, oh, there's
0: no cheap cars out there. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go look and see what cars there are under $20,000. So from cheapest to most expensive, here they are. And there's a point to this. I'm not just reading numbers. Are these the only cars you can buy for that, under $20,000? That, that I could find. Okay. That just was a quick glance. cursory search. Yes. Cursory research. So Chevy Spark, thirteen grand. You ever f- driven one? They're, they're fun. They are kind of yeah, fun. but, but they're, I have a point that I'm going to make after I read all of them. Ford Fiesta, 4- 14.2. Chevy Sonic, 15.4. Don't they make a Chevy Sonic RS? Yes, they do. Look out how much that thing is while I'm reading these. Okay. Um, Honda Fit, which is a fun car. I like those too. Kia Soul, Kia Forte, Chevy Cruze, Subaru Impreza, oh. Toyota Corolla, Volkswagen Jetta, Honda Civic. Now, the, the biggest issue with most of these cars is most of them, as they are here, are not fun. Right. They are all super boring, right. super economy, crappy cars with crappy infotainment systems, crappy plastics, crappy everything. Um, my question is: Is are we? We always look back at something like the cheap car back in the day was like a Civic or a Rabbit or mm-hmm. or whatever. Are we jaded about that? Were those cars back then? Were the, Were they? closer to the more expensive cars at the time is it something where
1: oh i see like quality wise quality wise
0: because these like a chevy spark is a long way away from a thirty thousand dollar gti right i mean it's a long stretch probably so i mean are are the rabbits only cool now because we look back with some sort of you know nostalgic window like oh those cars are so great they're so basic you know or is it just the fact that there's so much breadth in cars now that makes the other cars seem so bad
1: uh, yeah, I think it is kind of, like you said, more diversity in cars out there.
0: Did somebody look at a Rabbit back in the day, like a Rabbit LS, a two-door, one-seven, four-speed, or five-speed, and go, yeah, this is fun. I really like this. This is a fun car. Did anybody do that? Because I do that now. I'm like, oh, those are fun. They're great. You can get the rear wheel off the ground. You can have a good time. You know, I've almost died in those things before. They're <laughs> they're, they're good cars but were they back then were they fun did people like them i don't know it's a it's kind of a question that you know somebody that's 60 years old needs to answer for us cuz yeah, i just I don't know. know um so i did a little bit of math okay so i wanted to try and figure out where car prices have gone based on uh, i'd use the rabbit as an example so in 1984 a rabbit was $7000 okay a GTI, which we know is fun because it's got bolstered seats. It's got uh, sway bars on it that are a little bit bigger. Right. It's got a close-ratio gearbox. It's a 1.8 liter, uh, which it's a better engine. So it, in many, many ways, the GTI is far superior to rabbits. rabbit. So we know it's fun, and we know why it's fun. Um That car is 7999 or $8,000. That's a 13% premium above the rabbit, like an LS gotcha. or L or whatever. Yep. So – uh, a 2020 Golf is twenty one thousand eight hundred and forty five dollars. A okay. 2020 GTI is twenty eight thousand. That's a twenty five thousand dollar premium. Hmm. Okay, so there's this huge. So it is a increase. Jump. It's a bigger jump. Sure. Um, for what are you exactly getting? Right. right. What What is it that you're getting in a GTI now? I get you. I guess you get the bolstered seats. Um, I don't know if the if the suspension is that much different. I'm I sure it's probably either. different spring rates. And different stuff like springs that. for sure. Um, I think there's a different engine uh you know different
1: engine tuning for sure yeah well you gotta know if it's a different engine
0: the new ones are like a 1.4 turbocharged engine or something like that or 1.6 tsi and i think the other ones are are much more um the in the gti in uh 1984 was eight thousand dollars adjusted for inflation that's nineteen thousand five hundred in 2018 for the gti for the gti so that car so now a gti costs about nine thousand dollars more than the adjusted inflation price of the old one. So where is that? What is that $9,000? Where did that $9,000 go? Do you think? I was thinking regulation, tariffs, unions, wages. You know, they've got to ship a car here. The car's made in Mexico. It's not made in Pennsylvania,
1: right? Uh, So it's not made in
0: Westmoreland.
1: Um, I think it's more simple than that. I think it's backup cameras. are now mandatory. mm -hmm. Add that in there airbags and now mandatory add that in there yep you know you have well, all that's, these other that's se- regulation yeah it is regulation but not just because of whatever regulation it's it's the actual features they had to add onto the car
0: right so back then it was uh oh well this is the new technology we're going to use it now it's we need new technology to be able to sell this car right right i mean there was there was regulations back in the day that encouraged people to go away from carburetion that's why those cars were cis yeah you know, bosch cis but it wasn't so drastically the different the grand touring injected right and now the new uh the new gti's are direct injection mm-hmm. turbocharged mm-hmm. i mean it's the, the there's variable valve time there's this <laughs> some of the things that they do in these the, like the oil the uh the water pumps are built into the engine block and Jeez. it's it is and there's like a little belt that runs the water pump like a little tiny belt like that you would see on it's it's like maybe twelve inches long. And okay. it just and it comes from the block and runs the the water pump and there's like a little O ring and a little plastic piece that goes from the water pump into the into the rest of the system or whatever. And I'm just like, how much does it take to do a water pump? Now a water pump is like a six hour job. Wow. Or a four, five hour job to do a water pump on a Volkswagen where I can do a water pump on an old rabbit in forty five minutes. Right. You can pull out the thermostat. Everything is so interesting. It's so easy, but we've gotten, um, we've forced engineering to a point where it's so complicated because of the regulation that they need to do. Things need to get warmed up faster because they need to meet emissions requirements. So you need to heat the coolant up and the coolant goes through the exhaust to heat the exhaust gases so there's less nitrous oxide or not nitrous oxide. (laughs) We need more nitrous oxide. (laughs) uh, Next, less carbon monoxide and uh, nitrogen that goes through the, you know, gets caught by the catalytic converter, which the cars didn't have. And, you know, all these things add up and um, it would be really, really, it's going to be really interesting to see, I think, when you have electric cars come out, how cheap we can make them.
1: Because they're simpler, they're so much simpler. They're so
0: much simpler, and I agree. Is are we going to be able to get an electric car down to ten, twelve thousand dollars? Just a really simple one hundred and fifty horsepower engine in a small car that's the size of a Chevy Spark. Yeah, that's just near, 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 near. It won't be that fun, but I'm just wondering: can we do that? Then can we like hack that controller that's in that car and and kind of make it more exciting? Make it more exciting, which is you know what. That's the fun part anyway. So if we can do that, then maybe there's something to it. But right now, I don't know. We'll see how things go. So speaking of hot hatches, Jake, do you want a $90,000 Honda Civic? I do not, sir. (laughs) No, pass. (laughs) I'm going to convince you (laughs) that you want one. Okay. Mm. So this is no regular Civic. So is this one I can buy from Honda? Yes. This is a Civic Type R TC, which stands for Touring Car. This is a track-only hot hatch um, who people that are racing are racing in the SRO touring car, America's TC class, scc t 2 NASA, ST5, and E2 classes, which I don't know what any of those are, but they are official races. Right. Um, so what's special about this thing? It's got a 2-liter turbocharged 4-cylinder. It's the same as the unit that is in the original Type R. Sure. And uh, depending on what race you're going into, they tune it from 270 to 330 horsepower. Um, and 2019 car is 306 horsepower, so I'm not sure why you would have less horsepower. I guess it's just the class that you're racing in. Yeah. So they have um, better oil coolers, uh, better radiator, downpipe, turbo back, better transmission, high strength, third and fourth gears with a limited slip gear. front brakes. Most body panels on this thing remain the same. However, the exterior is modified with a high flow grill. Um, J racing. I don't know the brands cause I'm not a Honda guy. J racing, FRP hood, race spec rear wing um, for safety. they got OMP racing seats, six point harness, roll cage, fire suppression, Um, It's $89,900, and you have to have a racing license to to buy it it. from Honda's racing line program. And you're still probably like, okay, it's still a $90,000 Civic, right? Okay. Customers get trackside engineering assistance and parts support during events. There's also a technical support line to let owners consult with engineers when not competing, which means this thing is awesome because you can buy a $90,000 race car, show up at the track, and Honda's going to be there to support your team. Yeah, that rules 90 grand. That's it. 90 grand, Jake, and you can go racing. Uh, you can go racing for cheaper than that. But, but that is, I'm not talking lemons racing, all, know, all you do is I crash know. into each other. <laughs> I'm talking about legit SCCA NASA yeah. races. Get out there and you can race a car for 90 grand. That is cheap. If you want to do this with a Porsche, you're at a million dollars. I'm not exaggerating. Yeah. I mean, you got to buy, you got to buy gearbox, a suspension. You got to have a buy-in. It's like really, really, really expensive. It's spec hundreds Miata of thousands of dollars. It's um, Yeah, but then you're driving a Miata, which uh, nobody's interested in that.
1: A lot of people are. Um, it's actually the largest
0: SCCA class.
1: Um, yeah. I don't know. That's,
0: they're slow. That's a fact. So that's a spec Miata. Those are basically stock cars, right? Right. This is meant to compete with um, other cars. So you're going to be competing with other,
1: other cars.
0: <laughs> Other other models of car. I know it's the spec mean. Miata. You're racing a bunch of Miatas, yeah. so it's like who's got the most aerodynamic straw hat. This is <laughs> <laughs> this is you're going to be racing against Golf R's. You're going to be racing against Seats. and that I mean there's all cool. kinds of different cars that you're going to be racing against. Probably some BMWs. I don't think Mercedes is probably in these classes. I think that's probably too lowbrow for them. But um, <laughs> so Hyundai could take on Porsche if they wanted to. How do you okay? Figure? So led by Albert Biermann. Former BMW M chief, the Hyundai N division, which I think is just like M or AMG or, yeah, it's, it's or their, the R divisions. They're just their their, motorsport
1: sport. Division. Yeah, they're hot
0: stuff. Um, they want to take the next evolutionary step by developing a mid-engine car. The exec oh. spoke to the spoke about the project in an interview with Evo magazine, admitting that, quote, philosophically, there are no limits to what they can do. And quote, there are no specific financial limits to what kind of cars we will make, yet their products, quote, need to be sensibly priced relative to whatever rivals they are in competition with. I don't think I have any philosophical limits either. If we Why? Would- <laughs> well, I was like, okay, philosophically? That doesn't make sense. You know, philosophically, we can make this car hold four Gs in a turn. <laughs> just, um, he says, I think it's, t- it's the right time to make a mid-engined N car that can rival a Porsche. And when we think it's the right time to make a car, we'll make it. So it's what <laughs> we could do this. Yeah, we could do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we could do it. Yeah, don't, don't make me do it. No, <laughs> it's that simple. He says. Maybe the powertrain might be a bit different to go with conventional Porsches, but philosophically, there are no limits. <laughs> what is with this philosophical discussion? I think he means hypothetically. I think so too. Yeah, I think he's using the wrong word. We have a lot of new models, both in development and in planning, and brand will, I believe, grow even faster over the next five years than it has over the first five. But I can't really talk about any of those models yet, just because I'm not allowed to. <laughs> okay. So are they going to capitalize on drivers' cars as Porsche moves into the upper crust? You know, they they're going. They, We've got kind of, 9-11s are crazy. I'll, I know. I'll never own a new nine eleven that comes out. It's not going to happen unless you guys all sign up for Patreon at once. It's not going to happen <laughs> for me. All right. So. Where is this gap? So Volkswagen's right, we talked moving, moving upscale, too, and everything's becoming electric. Okay, So they're really, really aiming at electric. The only thing you're going to be able to buy is a GTI or a Golf R or only a Golf R. So all that stuff in there, right. all their stuff is disappearing. Are they going to be, um, and plus Volkswagen's spending every Deutsch Mark they have on EV, $60 billion or $40 billion, 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 billion dollars on this. So right. Hyundai's like, well, hey, if they're leaving this segment, who's going to fill it? So, they have like a Velocer N, I think, is 30 grand. Okay. I think they're, and a Golf R is almost 40. I know. So, they're like significantly cheaper. Yeah. Um, What he was willing to reconfirm is that the i30N, which is their hot hatch, will get an eight speed dual clutch automatic transmission this year. And that the i30N Project C, which is, I think it's got to be like uh, the Golf R competition or something. I couldn't figure it out in the time I had. Um, It's a lightweight edition that will be made in left hand only and be limited to 600 cars. So it's super limited edition. It's almost like R32 territory. Yeah, but they still made 5,000 and imported those. How many Mark IV R32s did they make? 5,000. 5,000? Well, 600 is... That's very small. And I also wanted to point that Volkswagen's new tagline Mm -hmm. is drive bigger. (laughs) which I don't get it. I don't know what that means, (laughs) but it is the opposite of everything that I feel like Volkswagen was... For a long time. Yeah. Especially when you had, even recently when you had the Volkswagen up, you had the, you had the Lupo and the Polo, which is stuff that we never right. got here. And, you know, you had a Golf and the GTI and the, and all the commercials that Volkswagen had with the Mark three were all creative and fun. And it's just. Unpimp z Unpimp That was Mark five, but drive bigger. So, drive big. So here's the point that That's I want to make it. to this. This is going to get easier and easier and easier. For someone like Hyundai to compete with someone like Porsche or AMG or uh, BMW, the only thing that's going to stand in their way is software engineering at this point. Because you're saying when they're all electric, when they're all electric, that's that's this is see this is the this is the interesting thing about it, but it's also the problem, right? So when you have. Uh, combustion engine. We've talked mm-hmm. about this before. Right. There's a myriad of different variations that you can have: right. rotary, flat six, flat four, turbo flat four, turbo flat six, supercharged this, supercharged V8, inline six, V12. Right. Like there's it, V4 once. You know, I mean, there's all kinds of different things: inline you, five, inline five, turbo inline five, diesels, gas. I mean, there's a million different ways to right. do it. But with electric engines, or, I'm sorry, electric motors, there's really only one way to do it now the way you control the electric motor is what it's all about how you're able to get the voltage down and how you're able to put that power down which is to me that's all software it's all traction control software yeah you're right yaw control you know traction control with the with the way the car is moving and all the sensors all the sensors and how many bazillion times a minute your
1: point is it's basically leveling the playing field now
0: a little bit which means what you're going to see is brands like porsche are going to have a huge amount of margin in their uh in their cars think about there's no r&d going into how are we going to make the new four liter flat six rev to 9200 rpms it's oh we've got an electric motor (laughs) it's so different and yeah and as these premium brands they're not going to lower their prices they're going to keep their price at the same point and sell as a luxury brand but here's the question is there any way that this concept makes you go i'd rather have a hyundai How close does a car need to be in performance to something like a 911 to make a 911 guys go, eh, I'm going to buy the Hyundai instead? Yeah, it won't happen. It does not matter because you can get a house in the ghetto that's just as nice as the one by the lake, but for even though it's 25% cheaper, if you can afford it, you're going to go live by the lake. Yeah. It's just you want the nicer thing. You want the luxury of it. I agree. you got the money. You can afford it. It's going to probably have nicer accoutrements, nicer interior, and you want that badge on your car. Accoutrement. Accoutrement. But hey, I love what Hyundai's doing. I love their attitude. I do Um, The future sounds promising for Korean company, which also enjoys a flexibility that few automakers have. And I did not know this. They are, quote, family owned, and we can react and change with stuff much faster than other big car companies, depending on what we want to do, said (laughs) Beerman. philosophically, yeah. So I used to be, you know, I used to be really pigeon philosophically, right? I used to be really pigeonholed with European cars because right. I had Euroworks for so long, and I had, you know, the Volkswagen Club stuff, and I was so tied in. With and the you VW, were snobby, and I was snobby about it. <laughs> and I still am a little bit. I really don't want to own a Hyundai, but it's I don't have to do that anymore. I don't have to. I don't have right. to I don't have a European car show. I don't I don't have to restrict myself, you know, in, in terms of image of the, what I'm trying to get people to do. I can buy whatever I want. So something like a Hyundai sounds more interesting. I still want to drive one of these. Yeah, I don't know sure. that I want to own one, but I'm glad someone's out there. If they get out there and they make money in this segment, someone else is going to do it. They're not going That's to be true. they're not going to be the only ones doing it. Hey, Honda, like they said like we said last week, wants to do more hybrid stuff. Yeah, so maybe you will start good. seeing something from Hyundai, Honda, Hyundai, Hyundai. Hon- Hon- Honda. So the Prius is no longer the Virtue Signaler's car of choice. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. With Toyota sales figures in for December, we can look at the entire year-to-date trend, and the Prius is down a substantial... 20.4% 20.4% year to date. 20%. And 4.6% month over month. So that's 4.6% and they, they're losing 46 on the sales numbers from the previous month. Right. That's but m-
1: 20% down over the year.
0: Huge. That's more than just a downturn in cars compared to crossovers and SUVs. The entire car lineup at Toyota is only down 4% year to date. What's telling is looking more closely at the company's other hybrid sales. Uh, so it's losing the sales to uh, the Camry, the Control, the, the controller, the, the Corolla, con- <laughs> uh, the RAV4. Uh-huh. Um, so what do you think? Do you think that um, the virtual signal, signaling buyers are going elsewhere? Do you think that they, they, it's because they were, they're all buying Tesla Model 3s? Or is there's two things. They're either all buying Tesla Model 3s. Right. They found something else to virtual signal with. Okay. Or hybrid EV is becoming so normalized now That they're not getting the attention that they wanted like they used to. So they're just buying whatever they want again.
1: I don't think people were buying the hybrid for
0: the attention. Give me a break. (laughs) Come on, dude. That is absolutely not true. People that drive a Prius. I'm, I'm sure there's people that drive Priuses that are like, oh, you know, I just wanted the car with a good feel kind of bit. A lot right. of people that buy Priuses are... they It looks weird. It looks different. It's got the funky taillights. <laughs> it's obviously a Prius. It's got the... It's so obviously a virtue signal. It truly is. And so are people that buy a lot of the Tesla stuff for virtue signaling too. Yeah. So I'm just wondering where those people went, what they're buying now, what, what they're into. I do agree it's probably a Model 3. It probably is. Because what does a Prius cost? They've got to be... Almost thirty thousand dollars. I uh, should look that up. Yeah, just look Toyota Prius MSRP. It'll pull it right up. They've got to be around thirty grand. They've got to be close to what a Tesla Model Three is. Uh, from twenty five. From twenty five. So if you get a nice Prius, it's you're, right. There. You're over thirty grand. Yeah, i mean, You're over. You're, and that's right in Model Three territory. So those guys are just they're, Oh, this Prius uses gasoline. <laughs> We're gonna go over to the Tesla where I can just read books by. Ralph Nader while I drive around. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So uh, Mercedes-Benz is recalling cars, and I'm going to tell you why they're recalling cars. Mercedes-Benz is recalling roughly 750,000 cars because the vehicle's sunroofs could potentially pop off, and fly onto the road, causing (laughs) road hazards. Wow. The cars include the Mercedes-Benz C-Class, E-Class, whatever class, all the classes, yes or E-Class, made between 2001 and 2011. So your sunroof would... Pop off the car at freeway speed. Just foof funk. And then just go you fly. Would just, you know it'd make that noise. You know, <laughs> you know what it is? It's probably the guys that roller their it on, let their thing the buffeting. The buffeting. They're like, oh, I like this. What is do it? Do? I'm just whatever, I'll just keep driving. Boom. <laughs> thing pops off and uh, basically decapitates somebody in the car behind them. That's um, the
1: Paul Walker mode
0: then. Yeah, you just but it's but it's not by a choice. It's not like you hit a button and your sunroof pops off.
1: It's you, when you gotta whats to your, his face from trying to get the big rig. You know, he was trying to hijack the semi. Yeah. And so you come
0: up in your orange Supra and you go, thunk. Yeah. Pop yeah. the, pop, pop the. Uh, well, I think that was a moonroof.
1: No, that was actually a target panel.
0: Oh, Mark Force okay. Supra
1: said the target panel.
0: Well, same thing. Who cares? Exactly. Effective owners will be contacted. Who cares? I just thought it was funny. Um, so there's some interesting sales numbers out of Dodge. And I think this is really interesting. Okay. So in 2009, the Dodge Challenger, they sold 25,852 of them. And was that. Their first year, oh nine. Yeah, that was the first year. In two thousand eight, two thousand nine. In twenty nineteen, they sold sixty thousand. So they've more than doubled sales. So what? I can't think of any other cars that have doubled their sales. And what's weird is this (laughs) without
1: changing the car, the the thing looks exactly (laughs) the same.
0: And this is—it's got to be some sort of counterculture, like oh, this is a muscle car. I don't want to do any of this other stuff because what? I mean. Almost tripling, doubling, tripling your your sales figures is crazy. And honestly, I'd rather drive one of these a lot. As much as people want to shove every, all this stuff down your throat. Go buy Dodge. So, Ireland mm-hmm. needs to get it together. Okay. They are banning the sale of gas and diesel cars by 2030. Wow. The government is drafting new laws that, could, that would ban p- new petrol and diesel car registrations by 2030. As a part of a strategy to protect...
1: Registrations? That means you can't drive a
0: gas car anymore. You can't register your old car. Wow. Right? I I guess that's probably true.
1: Or are they just saying new car sales, you can't register
0: them? It says new petrol and diesel car registrations, so it's new. So they are not totally screwing everybody over. As part of a strategy to protect the environment. The Sunday Independent reported that Minister for Communications, Climate Action, and Environmental... uh, Jerkoff, Richard Bruton, is planning to publish er the law early in the new year. Transport emissions accounted for over 20% of Ireland's emissions in 2018. The rest of the 80% was the uh, the cows that wander around the fields. (laughs) It has promised to double the amount of home chargers installed and further roll out the nationwide network of on-street charging points. Who's paying for doubling the amount of home chargers installed? I don't know. How is that going to So, Ireland has almost 10,000 US dollars less disposable income per capita in the United States with an income of 43 grand. Hmm. So, they're, you know, in in 10 years, if you want to buy a new car less than that, oh, 20, what is it, 20 years? 10 years. 10 years. You're going to be, this is what you buy. Whether you like it or not, they're probably just assuming maybe they'll have that cheap car that I was talking about, Hopefully. the 150 horsepower. Otherwise, yeah. the people in Irish are uh, So Ireland hold are on. So
1: he's drafting the law.
0: So this has, this law has not passed um, for the record. Yes, it has not passed, but it seems like it's going to, yeah. from what I could read. So we get on to one of our listener questions. Okay. Um, Kasyar Lifespan via Instagram says, how in the actual F a Porsche enthusiast should continue living in this time? I said, uh, I asked him, Cliff, I'm like, what do you mean? Yeah. What what is he getting me? He says, where I live, there is 15 classic Porsches in the whole country. I don't, I should have asked where he live. Imagine <laughs> the prices. And the new ones cost like four houses. <laughs> <laughs> me, a Porsche lover, can never get one here. So I decided to immigrate with the hope of getting a Porsche one day. That's actually a really good reason. I I want a car. I'm going to leave my country. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But these days, checking the prices makes me so sad that like five years ago, a manual 993 S was easily reachable, but now most models are out of reach. And even if I have enough money to buy one, driving them wouldn't be so enjoyable due to the price and expensive parts and maintenance. Yeah, that's true. If if you can get one, the parts and maintenance, you just kind of have to work on it yourself. Like I am, if you can't afford it, you just, you got to learn. You got to try. You know, it's, you just got to give it a try. So I was trying to think of ways to get... I think a 993 is like fifty or $60,000. I was trying okay. to think of ways to get $50,000 quick. Okay. Um, so I found a book on the internet that says How to Make Money in Your Spare Time. <laughs> oh, did you? And each chapter... I bought the book. We'll be able to... Maybe oh we'll read goodness, a little really? bit out of it next, next. But each chapter starts out with a level of difficulty and average length of jail time for Wait. each project. <laughs> oh, okay. I get it. Um, one of the reviews says... What I really like about this book is that it's the steps are clear and easy to follow. I give it five stars solely because it has taught me the skills that I already have been able to utilize in real life. <laughs> so it works for that guy. <laughs> um, <the> al- <laughs> did it say if he was writing that from the jail library. Well, the author not? is a six-digit number. So I'm going to guess that the, the guy was in jail while he wrote this book. Oh, there you go. So I look forward to getting it so I can uh, buy more parts for my car. Um, <laughs> the alternative is you can donate plasma. It's uh, fifty dollars up. If you're a fat guy, it's fifty dollars of donation up to three hundred dollars a month. Okay, which is uh, to get fifty thousand dollars is about thirteen years. Mm. So it's not quick, but hey, if you want to uh, drink a lot of water and donate plasma <laughs> probably five or six times a month, uh-huh. you know, thirteen years that could be uh, could be you. Otherwise, you can do what I did, which is flip cars to get there. You know, that's an option and (laughs) that took years. (laughs) Okay. I was going to say there are other fluids you can donate that people pay for too. Yes. And then I really wanted you
1: to say, or you could do what I did. And that was what you did. (laughs) Unfortunately, no. no.
0: I don't think they would just, I think the first thing was to be like, are you an angry opinionated person? (laughs) And I would probably get ruled out right away. Really though. I mean, obviously this stuff has gotten so expensive. There's really nothing you can do about it. The reason it's so expensive is um, Porsches were undervalued for a really long time in short. Uh, there's not a ton, there are a ton of them, but they're still a commodity that there's not a ton of. Right. And people are really interested in them. And honestly, the whole Porsche thing right now, I feel like, is a little out of control. It is. I um, think they're overvalued now, for sure. I think you're probably right. Uh, I wonder if we make enough of a mix so that we can drive the prices down. I think they're overpriced. Do you think we can tell, what are we thousands, tell people? thousands of people that they're overpriced? No, they're and all, then what? They're all going to believe it and not want to pay the prices. So we've we've essentially moved the market right now. Yeah, that won't happen. It's probably not going to happen. No. But I, I just – I think things are a little out of control. There's so many events and books and magazines and yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's, it's wildly – phenomenal. Uh, I mean, I like the content. Don't get me wrong. It is my type of content. Sure. But if I was a BMW guy, I would be going, good God, those Porsche guys are out of control. <laughs> what a bunch of losers. Look at them. Those little self-introspective oh, bastards. Oh, yeah. Uh, they would – I just – it's true. And I know I know a specific BMW guy that is fairly prolific that absolutely hates Porsches and their owners because of this phenomenon. I get and that. I completely understand. I do so, too. That's it. That's all we got for you guys today. I hope you enjoyed the show. Um we'll be back on Friday with someone that I don't know yet. I gotta call make some phone calls. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Make some phone calls. I think it might be actually be a history episode from Jake. Yes. We'll see I if do we have a history episode that I'm cooking up. Yeah, and we're gonna be doing we're gonna be releasing our Patreon, Patreon exclusive that is also being cooked up yeah that'll be at the end of the week and if you don't have patreon sign up for Patreon. five bucks a month support the show do the right thing and share the podcast with your friends don't keep it all for yourself that's yes. selfish that's not nice it's not christmas anymore but you still have to be a nice guy that's your new year's resolution to be a nice guy <laughs> we'll see you guys on friday take care do that to your
1: honda your honda The top of the top